talks about a good eye and a bad eye and the way we look at people a couple times. I think I actually screenshotted, I found, I found another proverb. Aha, here we go. This was just by accident. I was just reading um, and I happened to find this <laughs> uh, by uh, divine grace, by providence. And it says in whatever chapter this is in, because it's just a screenshot. Um, where did it go? Here we go. Starting in verse 21 of Proverbs 28. There we go. It says, to show partiality is not good because for a piece of bread, a man will transgress. And then it says, a man with an evil eye, a man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. And so there, um, there is this expression about having a good eye or a bad eye or having a good eye or an evil eye that has actually quite a few connotations. Um, the most prevalent one is that to the Jews, if you had a b- bad eye, that meant you were stingy. You were not generous. You were not caring. You would see the poor and just pass on by. Right? And you had a bad eye. Whereas a man with a good eye was associated with someone who was freely giving. Someone who was charitable. And if we think about the, the stories and the parables that Jesus tells, you might remember um, the parable of a good Samaritan. Where there is a man who was beaten and robbed and left on the side of the road with nothing. No identity, no money. He was naked and wounded. And the first two people, a Pharisee and a Levite, they both pass him by. And in fact, I think it says they went on the other side of the road and passed him by and left him there. Because why? They had a bad eye. They had no care for that man. And then Jesus says that a Samaritan, which that really makes the Jews mad, comes by and he sees him. And he covers his wounds with oil on his own him to an inn and he pays for him to stay there and he tells the innkeeper and whatever else is needed to provide for this man I will pay and the Jews would have said that man well they might not have admitted it about the Samaritan but in general they would have said that man has a good eye there's even superstitions uh, in the Jewish culture that if you if you stand up and if you look over your neighbor's field while the, the grain, the harvest is still standing, that you've cursed his field to fail. And so there's this whole idea of what does it mean to have a good eye that can be a little foreign to us. And in verse 34, this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. He says, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, Your whole body also is full of light, but when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. It's very interesting. Seven things that God hates. And the first one is a proud look or a haughty eye. You know, and I was... As I was considering this passage yesterday, I started to think about 
really just all the ways that our perception, that our mindsets, that our hearts can taint the way we see people. How it can taint the way we, we act and react, the way we love or don't love. And really, um, at the root of it, you know, does anybody know what the word grace really means? Anybody? Grace. What is grace? Getting what you don't deserve. Okay, so God, he has blessed us abundantly, right? He's given us things that really, in our sin and our distance and our failures, we don't deserve anything, and yet he sends, his, he sends his own son while we were still yet sinners. In fact, he gives us our daily needs. He even keeps the breath in the lungs of the wicked, right? It's the grace of God. But something that's helped me to really grasp what does that look like to give grace. You know how else you could translate the word grace? It's a synonym. It's the same thing. Favor. Favor. That's it. And really, a man with a good eye or a man with a bad eye, it's really just a tell of their heart. Or do you have a heart that's willing to favor the poor? Do you have a heart that's willing to favor the, the wounded? Do you have a heart that's willing to favor your enemies? Your enemies, right? Isn't that what Jesus says to love your enemies? To pray for those who persecute you? That's a good eye. That's a generous, giving heart. And Jesus says that the way that we look the way we see things, what it's going to do is it's going to affect our entire body. That if our eye is good, it says our whole body will be full of light. But if our eye is bad, what a darkness will be there. Before I go on further, I want to share also a passage from you from Hebrews twelve fifteen, uh, Or at least that's 1215, that's how I memorize it. We're going to start actually in verse 14. And in Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 14, it says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Verse 15, look, looking, interesting verbiage there, huh? Uh, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane, and by, that word, by the way, that word really just means irreverent, people who don't um, consider holy things holy, they just disregard what's good. Um, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterwards, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. But right there in verse 15, it says, be careful, looking, look carefully and make sure that no root of bitterness springs up and defiles you. Again, that's kind of a weird concept, right? That 
somehow we could defile ourselves. Jesus tells the Pharisees, they're upset that the disciples aren't washing their hands before they're eating, you know. And uh, I think that's the context. I might have to be corrected. But Jesus basically tells them, hey, what you eat, like, goes into your stomach, your body takes care of it, it's eliminated, it's not that big of a deal. What you eat, what goes into you does not defile you. However, the things that come out of your heart, that is what defiles you. And I want you to think about this just for a second. What are the things that affect the way we see other people in the body, other people in the world? Things like bitterness. You ever met a, you ever met a good man, or just a really genuinely good man who had a 15-year-old son that just hated his guts? And that man couldn't do a right thing in the world, right? He was, oh, oh, your dad, I love your dad. Oh, my dad, you know. Oh, you know, he, uh, blah, 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 and, you know, he unplugged my Xbox last night. And, you know, and it's like, poor guy has no favor in his son's eyes whatsoever. And not because he's a bad father, not because he's a bad man, not because he lacks integrity, but because the son is bitter. And because the son is bitter, he sees his father in a light that is not true to his character. And because of his bitterness, he defiles not only himself, not only his own heart, but he defiles his relationship with his father. And perhaps that, that reaches out and it can defile his relationship with his mother or with his, <coughs> with his siblings, with the people around him. There's also greed. Again, the, the, I think the big thing that comes to the Jew's mind about having a bad eye is it's greedy, stingy, not graceful. Anybody know of anybody in the Bible who was a good example of, of having a greedy, bad eye that led to trouble? I'll give you one. His name was Judas, who for 30 pieces of silver sold out the Son of God. He sold him out because he was the one that held the money box and his eye coveting that silver. His own pride, his own desire exalted itself on the throne of his heart above the son of God. And he betrayed Jesus because he had a bad eye. He couldn't see clearly. You know, and pride is a dangerous thing you know, pride is the sin of the devil. You know, one of the things that when it talks about um, if a man wants to be an elder, it says, let him not be a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the snare and condemnation of the devil. And what does pride do? Pride takes the center focus of all thing, which should be God. It should be the son, the Jesus Christ. It should be his word, his ways, his kingdom his service, and he says, no, move out of the way, I want to sit there. And suddenly we look at situations and we look at people and we compare them to us. We compare them to our standards. In fact, we become the standard. And if people don't measure up to the way we see things, if people don't operate the way we think they should operate, then we see them in a bad light. We judge them. 
And that causes hurt, that causes division, that causes all kinds of things. Churches are split. Families are split. Unnecessarily. Unnecessarily. Because people hold others to their own standard rather than Christ's. Pride is the thing that says, I deserve. I desire. And it'll cut down anything that gets in the way of I, of me, of my. It's a bad I. It really is. And in fact, that's probably the most appropriate example because you know what people say rightly about pride? It's blinding. It's like John Cena, right? Can't see me. Pride is blinding. Most people caught in pride can't even see it because they're so focused on themselves. You look at the Pharisees. The Pharisees had every possible reason to honor Jesus. They knew he was the direct descendant of King David the root of Jesse, the coming king. They knew where he was born. They knew where he was called out of. They knew that he was a Nazarene, the branch. They saw the signs and the wonders. They came out to John the Baptist, who rebuked them, by the way, the same prophet who declared who Jesus was. They were not blind physically. They had no... You know, they didn't need a special cream to puff something. No, no, no. What, what was it that blinded them to the truth of Jesus? It was their own jealousy. It was their own greed. Even, even uh, I don't know, I don't have the reference, but Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate, when they come before him, it says he realized that they were delivering him up because of envy. Pilate understood what was going on here. okay. He's a pretty smart guy. And because of envy, because of jealousy, because of greed, they rejected the truth and they rejected the truth and they rejected the truth to their own um, condemnation, to their own condemnation, right? For us, man, we've been called into the truth. We've been called into the light. We are not those who fall away into destruction, but to those who God has called us into eternal life. But even Peter, why did Peter, why did Peter, uh, what's the word? Not reject, but didn't, thank you. My brain is not working. Is there any more coffee back there? There is. Uh, Why did Peter deny Jesus? He walked with him for three and a half years. He had been by his side. He was the one to declare you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. He walked on freaking water, okay? You ever walked on water? I don't think so. Why did he deny Jesus? Because people started to look at him as a follower of Christ in a time where being a follower of Christ didn't bring glory, it brought shame. It brought shame. And that's how he saw things. He saw through a lens of fear. He saw through a lens of shame. 
So he couldn't see the glory of the suffering son. He couldn't see, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And he denied Jesus three times and wept bitterly. Wept bitterly. He had a bad eye. You know, what am I saying? I'm saying that there's a way that we perceive things or the way that we perceive things greatly affects the way we walk, greatly affects the way we love, or if we love at all. It greatly affects whether or not you are in the righteousness of Christ or if you're denying it with your actions. And some people, you know, it's like, oh, as long as we agree with the right things, as long as we hallelujah at the right time, you know, uh, I've got the right belief and so I'm good with God. But Jesus says, man, if you do not practice and teach these things, you are the least in the kingdom of heaven. Practice, teach, practice, teach. And I tell the high school students all the time, you might not think this applies to you because you ain't doing a Bible study anytime soon probably, but everything you do here at this high school and everything that people see you do or say, you are teaching them to do likewise. And the same is for us. What are those things that cause us to have a bad eye? It's a lack of mercy. It's a lack of grace. It's a lack of favor. It's a lack of love. If the way you love others is dependent on how you feel about them or the way they treat you or what you think they deserve, the Bible says you do not understand the love of God at all. Because probably the most quoted verse that's ever come out of my mouth is while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us when we had no merit. Aren't you thankful for that? That's the type of love, that's the type of favor God gave you. You were unfavorable, right? You were like some wet, uncooked tofu with no salt on it. Nobody wants to eat that. And Jesus put you on a plate and made you look pretty. My wife's going all vegan, so I got tofu on my mind. So what does it mean then to have a good eye? Let's just run through this one more time. Get it fresh on the brain here. The lamp of the body is an eye. Therefore, when the eye is good, what? You're not going to be defiled. Your whole body is going to be full of light. And guys, I can't help but hear those words without thinking about the church as a whole. Yes, individually, but the church as a whole, that we can be a church full of light. We can be people full of light. You know, one of my my brothers, one of the things he says is when when he prays, I just want people to see the light of Jesus in my eyes. Right? We can be full of light. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is also full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. The way you see, the way you judge, the way you consider is not tainted by your own emotions, by your own struggles, by your own concerns, and not the truth of Jesus Christ. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. We need to test our own hearts. 
We need to test our own judgments. We need to test our own sight when we look at people and ask ourselves, is this righteous judgment? Is this love? Is this care? The Bible, Jesus, he commands that we walk like him and we give the same grace he's given to us, the same mercy he's given to us, the same forgiveness he's given to us. And if we're going to walk in his grace, at the end of the day, grace, love, truth, that is the recipe to having a good eye and a body full of love, full of light, I'm sorry. Grace, love, truth. Maybe, maybe you were rightly offended. Maybe Cole did key your car, I don't know. Can you still love him? Who said no? I'm just kidding. Can you forgive him? Does he have to work his way back into favor in your eyes? Because that's not the gospel. I was at Together Generation with Josh, with Josh and Randall, and. Uh, <laughs> The lady in between two artists, she came on, she said, hey, we, we're going to call a couple people up here to stage you and you, you come up right now. We have a gift for you, but you're going to have to work for it. I was all, that's not the gospel. And I think about that every time now, you know, you don't, you don't have to work for it. It's favor. Think about it. What does it mean if you were in a kingdom and you were in a court full of people and the king wanted to give his favor to somebody? What would that look like? That's the way you need to love and to treat those who don't deserve your favor, favorable. To extend the hand, to continue to love. Paul in 1 Corinthians, he says, man, why not just be wronged? Is that such a bad thing? I mean, I know Jesus never did that. Oh, wait. No, he did that a lot. It's okay to look and say, this situation was wrong. This thing is harmful. This thing is not good. We cannot partner with because of the word of God, because of who Jesus is, because of his kingdom, because of his righteousness has already condemned sin. But we need to be able to look at situations and people separately. Paul says to judge nothing before it's time. And so before, until you see that white throne judgment, how can you rightly judge anyone? Amen? But to love unconditionally, to give when someone asks and not expect it, anything in return, to know that someone hates you, to know that they talk behind your back and show them the grace and show them favor when you're together. Because if all you see when you look at somebody is something they did, something they said, the way they act, and if that's the way you see them, if your eye is bad, you will never be able to see them like Christ sees them. And you will never be able to love like Jesus loves. And your body will be filled with darkness. But we read Friday night on Friday night, we were reading out of John 17, and it says that there's a way that the world will know that Jesus 
came from the Father. There's a way that the world will know that Jesus came from the Father, and it's when his people are one. When they love, they forgive. They care for. They give. Have a good eye. Test your heart. Test your mind. Where are those places that you've judged unrighteously? Where are those places that you've chosen not to love? Where are those places that you've spoke things and done things out of the wrong motive and not the fear and the mercy of God? So guys, I wanna leave you with that this morning. And I wanna pray right now and just ask that as the Lord shepherds us into a new week, that the Lord will also shepherd us into new hearts, into new spirits, into new eyes. We need some cataract surgery just going on over here. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. Father God, we thank you for your goodness being declared through your word. Father, that you want us, you invite us to be like you, Lord, to be a testimony, a witness of your character, of your kingdom. And Father, the the easiest way we can do that is to simply love like you love, walk like you walk, care with compassionate hearts as you've cared for us, even in our worst times, Lord. Even at our lowest times, you never forsook us, Lord God. So Lord, help us to be that, Father, to those around us. Help us to show a genuine love. A love that's based in sacrifice and that also rejoices in truth, Lord God. Help us not to compromise the integrity of, of your image in the world because of our own desires. And Lord, we pray that in everything we do, that we would glorify your name, Jesus. So have your way in us, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.